Ready to pop the question and take advantage of 30% off? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com to get 30% off. Select lab-grown diamonds. That's BlueNile.com for 30% off lab-grown diamonds. BlueNile.com. This episode brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're driving, cleaning, and even exercising. But what if you could be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. And auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Multitask right now. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. This is At The Turn. It's time for discussion and interviews about the world of golf you won't hear anywhere else. Here are your hosts, Nick Heidelberger and Joe Simons. Hello, hello. Welcome into another episode of At The Turn. Presidential handicaps. Joining the board of a men's club association. And do you keep it or do you turn it in? Nick, this premise is extraordinary. I have to give credit to Romy. It's so funny because... Romy and I are probably on the complete opposite ends of the spectrum of this stuff. So I'm like looking at these objects that you've posted on here just to tease it through like his lens and also through my lens. Um, And it's I just find it quite comical. So what we're talking about, folks, and we'll obviously get into it later, is when you find a thing on a golf course, what do you do? Do you keep it? Do you turn it in? And Nick and I are going to rip through 10 items and discuss. I think we're probably aligned on most of these, but I'm curious to get your perspective. Well, I feel like I I think we're going to agree on a lot of stuff going into this kind of thing, and then we completely disagree, which makes it a podcast. Yeah, exactly. I want to remind you to please rate and review At The Turn. Switzerland, we see you. At The Turn right now, the 88th most popular podcast in the country of Switzerland. Please give us five stars wherever you're listening. Nick, the Spotify numbers are going up. 88th most popular golf podcast or just podcast in general? That was a pretty broad statement there. 88th most popular. Oh, golf. Okay. Did I say podcast? You did say podcast. I mean, there's quite the niche of podcast versus golf podcast. We're just below Rogan in Switzerland. Yeah, it's great. No, 88th biggest golf podcast. The important takeaway here is please, no matter where you're listening, give us five stars, leave us a review. We would very much appreciate it. The podcast is always brought to you by Piper Golf. Use that promo code TURN10 at checkout for 10% off. Variety of golf balls, bucket hats, visors, shirts. They got all the gear. Use TURN10 at checkout. Golf Digest put this out. Presidential golfers ranked by handicap. Nick, before we get into it, were you surprised with who was at the top and bottom of the list? I was not. No, not at all, especially being from the East Coast. Um, I've experienced um, – actually, my last job at the New England PGA, we hosted a tournament at Myopia Hunt Club, and there was the Taft Bunker there uh, named particularly for him and his awful golf game. And, um, yeah, so so I'm not surprised with the top or the bottom. So why don't we That's start at the bottom and, and work our way up? William Taft was a 20-handicap he was a rotund man. What are you going to say? 
Uh, Dwight D. Eisenhower is 18. The Eisenhower tree. They don't they don't name a tree or a bunker after you if you're good because you're usually hitting into that thing. So Ike is there. A little surprised by this one. W was a 15 handicap. I thought W was supposed to be this incredible athlete, and he's a 15. The the biggest surprise for me was is the next one. The biggest surprise for you was that Barry Barack Obama was 13. Now, why does that surprise you? I thought he was known to golf quite a bit. Have I you seen the swing? Would... No. Nah, it's I've, not I've great. seen a lot of photos of him on a golf course, though. Yeah, photos, but when, <laughs> when it's many images put together to create a video, it is, uh, it's not the best thing to look at. So that's where Obama is. Yeah, I, have, I have a quick, I have a quick yeah. pause here. Do we know, Please. is this your, your low index? Because like, these are very specific numbers, especially as we get you know, closer towards the top. Um, is this, w- what number are we taking here? Well, as the leading publication, this, this thing in fluctuates golf, every single day. No, I know. <laughs> these Look, days, as as the leading publication in golf is wont to do, there's almost no context around these numbers that are put in here. So I'm going under the assumption that they are either anecdotally what they were, because who the hell was around when Taft was playing golf that right. can validate? Oh yeah, Willie was a twenty. Like that, the person would be 130 years old. So I'm <laughs> going to say either it's anecdotally what they were. Maybe Eisenhower is in that too. Or as we get towards the top with more recent presidents, I think those are probably what they are, or perhaps the low index. Is that is that a fair yeah working assumption? Yeah. yeah. Okay, so we just made up that, but hey, sure. it seems right. Bill Clinton and Gerald Ford both at a 12. I'm not. I'm not too terribly surprised by either one yep. of those. Although Ford, Ford was a uh, a college football star, so maybe maybe may a little surprised. No thoughts on Gerald Ford no. from Nick George Literally H W none. Bush. <laughs> Papa Bush was an 11. Very surprised to see old man Bush as a better golfer than the younger Bush. Yeah, me too. But that you know what that that's got to feel good. I, I mean, oh yeah. I I uh, probably my. The biggest motivator in my golf game today is that if, if I don't pick it up, Gavin's going to lap me like sure by the time he's 10. And I, I just cannot let that happen. And I either need to um, steer him away from golf or, or pick up my game a little bit. We'll have to see how it plays out. I'm curious. <laughs> Here. Like neither of those seem likely. <laughs> Here, here's the here's to me is the most wild one on the list. Okay. Are you familiar with FDR, the New Deal, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, World War II? I've heard the name. You've heard of him. Yeah. He was an eight handicap. Now, famously, he was in a wheelchair for a sizable portion of his presidency. So one of two things is happening. Either it is taking the best index that they had, which means FDR was teened up in like the 20s and early 30s and was a pretty good golfer. Or, which is a more exciting idea, that the first like modified wheelchair for the use of golf was FDRs. I don't think it's that because I feel like we'd see pictures of it. If that we was would know, we we would know, we would know. Unless that, right? he didn't want to brag about it because it's like our tax dollars at work, so he can like have this special special chair to play golf in. Yeah, I don't know if the like, you uh, can't even play golf if if there's like a dirty dish in the sink and like this guy is like spending all our money in a special wheelchair. Yeah, I mean, I know the timeline doesn't align, but could you imagine if like during the Great Depression he was in a wheel golf, golf wheelchair? <laughs> People in breadlines and FDR's got this fancy wheelchair out there to play golf with. Um, 
Number seven. I thought about optics. <laughs> yeah. Uh, num- number three with a seven handicap, JFK. Doesn't surprise me at all. No. Nope. Uh, figure JFK is a good golfer. I wouldn't say he's a sandbagger. He strikes me as a guy who would probably lie in the other direction to make the handicap a little bit better. But seven, seven seems right. East Coast kid, grew up in wealth, should be golf. Good at golf. Uh, Joe Biden, 6.7. Shocker. Is that a current index? There's no chance. Right? No chance. I I was shocked to see his name anywhere on this list. Like, really? I would, yeah, I, I, I don't. I don't associate him in in, in golf. Stall for a bad? second. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, wait. Explain why you don't why you don't think Joe Biden is is just just because like you don't think he's an athlete. He seems like a fit guy for being his age. Yeah, he's, he. I mean, fit maybe not the word I would use. I would I would think more frail. Um, mm. is is maybe how I would describe him. I just don't see him. Uh, I mean, to be a 6.7, he's probably ripping it over 200 yards, no matter. I mean, even if this handicap is 20 years old, he's still playing from the forward tees. Um, yeah, it's just just a little surprising. Uh, <laughs> never never seen photos or video of him on a golf course. You, you don't uh, hear okay. about as much as Trump. Okay, so I have, I have some inside information here. Uh, I did just search Joe Biden in Delaware on the uh, USGA app. And in fact, we do have a Joe Biden from Fieldstone Golf Club. The most recent round posted was in 2018. Most of these scores that count toward the handicap are 2013 and 2014. That squares out a little bit. 70-year-olds, I think there's a big difference between 70 and 80 in athleticism. I, I play with a 69-year-old golfer who shot 74 like it was nothing. I buy it. I buy it. Okay. Now this next one. Yeah. Yeah. It's a long time. Think about where you were 10 years ago. I can't. I can't think of where I was 10 minutes ago. (laughs) Number one on the list. Donald Trump. 2.8. I believe it. The man owns a lot of golf courses. Uh, He plays golf a lot. (laughs) Spent a lot of time on golf courses. I mean, he's probably fudging some of those numbers, but. I think enough people have seen him play golf where if this was egregious, if he was actually like a 15, th- there would be more made about this. But there are stories of Trump playing good golf. So I'm not I'm not too surprised. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm, I agree with that. I, I concur. I think probably there's a, probably a, a few foot wedges in there. But at the same time, he's he can get around for sure. So, Nick. I'm going to hit this quickly, and then we can move on to our, our our main topic, if that's okay. I spend far too much time in this podcast complaining about the men's club that I'm associated with, Glendevere Golf Club, and they are running elections for board positions in November. We talked about the possibility of me and my dad leaving the club. On the other end of the spectrum is changing from within. There is a position for tournament chair which would be in charge of the four tournaments and the club championship in terms of format and scheduling. I'm thinking of running. I have two weeks to decide. Okay. So I'm going to have to kind of almost interview you a little bit here. Great. Because you're right. The last conversation we had, you're like, I'm shopping for a new golf club. And I do, I, I will just preface this by saying, I commend your effort and your consideration to, to, influence change to make you. 
something that's not as good as it should be and, to, and make it better. Um, my first question, though, is like, is this a club that like checks all the boxes except for some of the politics? And you think you can make it like take it from where it is to like actually reaching its potential? Like, are you going to would you be happy at this club for the next 50 years? Yeah, this is the course I grew up on. It's the course I've played the most. I want this place to be successful because I do think there's a lot of potential. Now, I will say right now it's probably about a three. If I bust my ass and everything comes together and we get other people involved in good spots, I think the ceiling is probably a seven and a half, which is fine. Seven and a half would be great. It would be fantastic. And that's what I'm shooting for. Yeah. And like the other kind of follow-up question to that is like, are a lot of your golf buddies members here? Like I know you and your dad are kind of like a pair in this, but like I think it's the people that ultimately make – a club like your home club versus just like the place I play my golf. Like, do you have enough of your crew who's like engaged in this club or is it, it's just like once a week you and your dad. And other than that, you're just, you're finding somewhere else. Yep. It's that my buddies play Glendivere a lot, but I don't think any of them want to commit to something like this in terms of seriousness, in terms of competition, wanting to show up enough early in the morning to, necessitate actually signing up for a men's club membership. Maybe I'm wrong, but to answer your question, it is me and my dad and a bunch of guys. And out of that group, I will say there are a half dozen that I do really enjoy playing with. The rest are kind of at a different uh, skill level and wavelength, if you understand what I'm saying. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I understand exactly what you're saying. Um, Okay. Okay. Now, my last last question is, like, do you have – what it takes to actually make the changes. Like you're like tournament chair. Like that's a big position. Like running the tournaments is like you, you're, you're you might be the rules official. Um, there's going to be a lot of things that the average golfer has no idea even happens behind the scenes that you're going to not only have to know about, but be responsible and like make confident decisions in, in the midst of controversy. Like are, are you, are you ready for like what this brings or you just want a position and that's what's open. No, every position is available. Let me be clear about okay, that. Okay, okay. Every position is up for grabs. This is what I want changed the most is the format of the tournaments. We go into these things having no idea what gets paid out. No idea. It could be four net. It could be the top two gross. At the end of these tournaments, we just log on to see the results and what we happen to win. There's no understanding of what you're going to win going into these things. The format changes among the tournaments, but not in like an interesting way. It's like, oh, we're going to play this one course twice from the blue tees. And then, oh, we're going to play both courses from the black. Um, But I I don't think there's really any premeditation to that. It's not like they're structuring it a certain way. So what I want to do is make one of these tournaments a match play tournament, hopefully the club championship. I want to have an understanding of what people win going into the tournament, which seems like an easy thing to do. And then from there, the rule stuff, I'm a little bit out of my depth. But if we get an agreed upon backlog of Nick rules to go through, I mean, you you should be all square there. I I would think so, too. The rules of the course are pretty clear, except for (laughs) this one spot that we spent 40 minutes in a podcast talking about. (laughs) So if I write that on a piece of paper, I think I should be good to go. I just don't know of the time commitment. That's what I have to figure out is how much time is involved in this thing. And then what am I actually signing up for? Yeah, I think 
take the amount of time that you think it is and, and probably double it. And that's probably pretty fair. I mean, it's one of those things you get what you put in, you get out what you put in. So like if, if things have, if people have been cutting a lot of corners, that's, that's why there are these controversies. So to really make a difference, you probably do have to be pretty invested and you're, you're the kind of dude who, who gets invested in stuff. So like, I would say, I think from, from this brief interview, Joe, I think, I think you should go for it. I think you, if you, if this is your campaign platform, I think you got it. You think I'm the man for the job? I'm sold. Lacey's, Lacey's take is we, we were FaceTiming with my dad the other day, or yesterday, because it was my sister-in-law's birthday. And this came up, and my dad asked Lacey, what do you think about this? And she's like, well, he sure does complain about it a lot, so maybe he <laughs> could change. <laughs> yeah, it's probably her idea. She's probably like, Joe, I'm sick of hearing you complain. Just just do something about it already. And you're like, fine, I guess I'll I guess I'll become the tournament chair. <laughs> oh, more to come on that. It should be fun. Nick, are you ready for keep it or turn it in? Let's get to it. So again, thank you so much to our dear friend and former guest on At the Turn, Brian Romy, for inspiring us. What we're gonna do is we're gonna rip through 10 items that someone could potentially find on a golf course, and we will decide whether you should keep it, whether you should turn it in, maybe just leave it, don't even touch it. There's another option in between those two. Let's get into it. Nick, the first one. What would you do if you found a abandoned Dunes branded golf towel? I ain't touching it. You're just going to leave it on the ground. <laughs> I am not touching that thing. Now, is this I'm not touching that thing with with your wedge. <laughs> now, is this, is this a blanket rule for towels in general? Yes. Yeah. I wouldn't even I wouldn't even know it was abandoned towel because I wouldn't get close enough to to find out. Wait a minute. Why? I understand perhaps like not picking it up, but it sounds like there's an active uh disgust by someone else's golf towels just too personal of an item. Yeah, I don't like I can identify from 20 yards away that it's a towel. I know I'm not interested in in returning it or in keeping it. So I just, I'm, I'm not even going to make that walk. Okay. Well, I had to interrogate you because I completely agree. I also would not touch <laughs> another golf towel that I see on the course. It's, Look. It's gnarly, dude. It's it's a towel. I get it. Like, you know, Bandon Dunes is a place. It's branded. That's really cool. I'm not touching someone else's golf towel either. Those are and when someone and in fact when someone offers me their towel from their bag, I'm like, no, I'll I'll, I'll just use my sock. It's fine, dude. Thanks. Yeah. Don't worry serious. about it. Yeah. Okay. So that's neither a keep it or turn it in. It's a leave it alone. I like that. Off, mm-hmm. off to a good start. Number two, Nick. What do you do if you find a twenty dollar bill on the golf course? It's going to my pocket. <laughs> Are you even asking the, the people you're with? No. Well, the people I'm with, maybe, depending on who it is. But, <laughs> but like, you know, you're not going to the pro shop and, like, handing it to, like, the third assistant pro and be like, all right, I found this $20 bill. It's got a slight tear in the upper right corner. If somebody identifies, like, whoever you give it to is just going to put it in their pocket. I mean, same thing anyway. $20, if it was, like, a crazy sum of money. It's different because it was like an intent behind it. But twenty bucks just flew away from who? Somebody could have been anybody. Doesn't matter. I'm twenty dollars richer. I'm making a twenty dollar KP out of the next part three. It's probably ending up in your pocket. 
So I would definitely ask my group, but I think what the best version of me as a human would do is I hang on to that 20, and then when I turn my card in, I tip with that. I'd like to think that that is what I would do. I'd probably just pocket it. I would certainly ask the people I'm playing with if it's theirs, though. I mean, yeah. The the one thing that crossed my mind is like if there is some sort of pool or some way to, to use it to get involved with like your tournament or your club or if there's like a hole in one pool or if there's a, a charity like, you know, pay $20 and if you if you hit the green, whatever, something like that, like maybe I would be more inclined to do that. But, you know, at, at 530 a.m. at, at Chemua Golf Course, none of that stuff is none of that action is happening. So it's you know, it's just go to my pocket. I did like the other idea of taking that 20 and maybe uh, next par three KP takes home the yeah, money for sure. What is the amount of money that you would find where you're compelled to turn it in? Like, what is the minimum amount that you find? You're like, all right, well, I, I have to turn this in. Well, probably, probably a hundred. I'd be like, I have to turn this in at, at 50. I'd start being like, yeah, you know, what should I do? I still think whoever I hand it to is just going to be like, thanks for the $50, <laughs> but I don't know. Um, maybe 50. I, I'm like, yeah. you know, a, a little nicer tip, buying something for the pro shop. I don't know. Right. I, like, like not giving it away, but like doing something for the greater good than just, you know, putting it in my pocket. I, I don't know. It's tough. 50, it is, yeah. It is very situational, but I, I agree. Once you get to that 5,100, it's like, I'm starting to feel uncomfortable taking this amount of money. Yeah. Number three, I think I know where you're going to side on this, Nick. It is a generic head cover. It doesn't even have a number on it. You just, you see it, it has an X on top of it. It could be any club that that thing's been housing. Do you keep it or turn it in? Assuming it's for a wood and it's not an iron cover, I'm, yes. I'm actually turning it in. You are? Yeah, I'm turning it in because people get so people get so upset about losing the head covers. And it's the it's the dumbest thing. I agree. But it's it's, it's like dumb. a hangnail. Like when, when everything's fine, you never think about it. But like when you lose that head cover, you're just neurotic. You're you're constantly looking around. Like, is that over there? Guys, I'll be right back. You're like darting off. And it's like, dude, what are you doing? And so like just if you see it, just grab it, turn it in because you know this person that's going to hound the pro shop for the next like 10 days calling them, stopping by. And it's like every person they encounter is going to have to hear about it. So just turn it in get it over with. I'm not touching it. Yeah. I'm leaving a generic head cover where it is because yeah. it's like a $4 item. It's It's – it's not an expensive item. And if someone else wants to pick it up and use it or turn it in, that's great. It's not like we're talking about this as a Titleist driver and like this is the head cover for this club. It's like, eh, this could be anybody's. Yeah, but you know you know, somebody is freaking out. That's probably true. The person who would use the generic head cover is probably the person who would also freak out about not having it. Yes. All right. I'm very excited about this fourth one, Nick. Would you keep or turn in a Shrixon bucket hat? I don't think I'm touching that. First no. of all, no chance in hell I'm keeping it. A hat is like when somebody – if somebody ever offers me their hat like off of their head, like my in-laws will do this. I, I swear to God my in-laws will be like, oh, like would you like my hat? Like, <laughs> no, I don't want any hat that's been on anybody else's head at any point ever. Period. I don't Wait, know. So did I your wife not... do that? Give me her hat? Yeah. No. Hmm. She'll take my hat. So I guess then like when I put it back on, then it's then it's now become her hat. 
Sure. But it is your wife, so it's 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 different. It is a little bit different. <laughs> That's true. You're not you're not blood relatives. <laughs> Definitely on the golf course. And we're talking a bucket hat here. We as we yeah. established, you're only wearing a bucket hat in 90 plus degree weather. <laughs> it's seen some stuff. I'm not I'm not taking a Shrixaw bucket hat either. I I think I'm gonna pick it up though. I don't think really? I'm gonna drive by a hat. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna pick it up and probably turn that thing in. Better man than I. I well, it's gross, so I know there's gonna be no temptation. And I think it's more valuable than a generic head cover or a towel. So at that point, I feel like, all right, well, I'm just going to keep it on me, ask a few groups, I'll stuff it in my bag. Hopefully, I don't forget about it and just drive home with it, and then I'm just yeah, going to throw a hat away. I'm not putting that in my bag. No chance. <laughs> Maybe the basket in the cart, but if I'm taking the cart, there's probably beers in there. Yeah, I just don't have room in my life for this, this nasty-ass hat. Learning so much about you. All right, let's go to the next one. This is the fifth one. Nick, what do you do if you find an old lob wedge? This is this is huge. You get to be the hero. Yeah. You grab that thing, you stick it in your cart, your bag, your push cart, whatever you have, you hold on to that thing because you know in the next 15 minutes, you are going to be the one person in somebody's life who can give them the one thing they need at the moment they need it. Yeah. Tom has been using this lob wedge since 1974. He is going to be eternally grateful. There is no price you can put on this club. The grooves are non-existent, but he can get up and down from anywhere with it. And I completely agree. You hang on to it. I don't know of a club, period, that I would keep or not pick up. It is always a put-in-the-bag situation. You never keep them. You never keep it. I'm a lefty, so like I wouldn't have any business with anybody else's club anyways. And and same vice versa. Like if I lose, if I leave a brand new whatever, anything on, on a green, nobody's keeping it because no, I'm the only lefty in, in New England, I, I think. <laughs> have um, you ever found a rando lefty club? No, yeah. I, I, I don't think so. I mean, it's possible, but you only have it for like five minutes because literally by the time the person gets to the next green, they either need it or they realize they don't have it and they're just yeah. driving back screaming and uh you get to be like you get to make their day it's it's great it's, it's so great that is a good feeling plus you know when when you do the same shit you, you're hoping that somebody else has it in like the group behind you i am a notorious club loser alcohol really? has nothing nothing to do with it i'm i'm really bad at keeping my clubs together i had one trip to Central Oregon, where I think I left three clubs. <laughs> a six iron, a pitchy wedge, which I still don't have. I had to buy a new one. And then maybe like my gap wedge. And by the, I lost two of them in the first round. By the end of the trip, those two made their way back to me, but the pitchy wedge is somewhere in Central Oregon still. Oh my God. That's, that's surprising. I know. I don't, I don't have that problem, but imagine on the next hole driving back and being like, hey, did you see my gap wedge? And they're like, I saw it, but I, but I left it. It's on, it's on the fifth green. He's like, dude, what are you doing? Like I could be, I could have my club right now, but instead I have to drive back 700 more yards because you just decided to leave it there. So no, you never, never leave. leave a club, never leave a club, always pick it up. All right. Number six, what would you do if you found a three quarters full box of noodle golf balls, Nick? <laughs> this is such a good one, Joe. <laughs> I'm pretty oh happy God. with it. I wish I had another beer right now. Um, <laughs> I'm leaving it. Well, I'm, I'm probably 
Actually, no, I'm sorry. I put it in my bag. I'm keeping it. Sure. There's not a lot of things I'm keeping. Number one, if you find nine noodles, that's (laughs) intentional. So somebody abandoned those. Somebody said, screw this. This it's too long. It's too soft for me. Um, I can't do it. I'm a pro V one guy and these nine noodles, which cost me a total of $7. I'm, I'm happy to part with it. Someone put Piper in the bag. They, they wanted to try it out and they were so impressed with the golf balls. They took the noodles out of their bag and they threw them down on the golf course. Turn 10 at checkout at Piper.golf. I also like to think that if you find nine noodles, like within a 10 yard, like square circle oval, whatever you want to call it to the right of the fairway, like somebody just unloaded nine and just out of fury, it just hit them all to the exact same spot with the exact same miss. and just stormed off the golf course. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take them. Yeah. I'm you, there's always them. somebody who, who you can give them to. And it's the sort of thing where I'm going to pocket them. I know I'm not going to use them in the course of the round. And if someone was like, Hey, did you guys find a mostly full box of noodle balls? I'd be like, yeah, they're right here. Enjoy. Like, I don't, I don't really want these. I'm, 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 I'm taking them away. So no one else has to use these things. Yes. Yeah. Uh, okay. That was number six. We have four more. Nick, would you keep or turn in? A Nalgene water bottle? The answer is no. I would not keep it. I would neither, nor would I turn it in. Would you throw it in the the nearest rubbish bin? No, I'm leaving it there. And the reason for this, besides I don't want to touch somebody's water bottle, um, (laughs) because I don't and I wouldn't touch it. Um, But it's the kind of thing that they probably specifically remember. At the moment they need it, they're probably Mm. like, Oh shit! That's on the that's yeah. on the fourth green on the fringe, and they're and they're, they're going back because they need it. They need water, and they're not going to make it through the the last twelve holes without us. They're they're going back, and by taking it, you decrease their chance of finding it. Like we all need to band together on this and just leave it where it is because that person is coming back for it. It's also not litter, so if they never do find it, like no big deal. Whatever, somebody else will, will handle it. First, let me just say I had no idea that uh, my podcast partner was Howard Hughes. This uh, this is this is so interesting listening to this. Uh, I would take it and hang on to it and turn it in. I think a water bottle is a very personal thing. It it sort of has become this personal thing. Um, yeah, I'm gonna turn it in. I I don't want to leave it out there just because it's like sort of litter and. If someone realizes, like you said, if they don't have it, then that sucks. It's like, oh, yeah, I saw it on the front nine. It's like, what? Yeah, I'd be like, I left it right where you left it. <laughs> but you wouldn't do that for a golf club. Because a golf club, they're going to come back, like, right back to you. Okay. I think a water bottle, you're more likely to go back to the scene of the crime. Interesting. Okay. Okay. I'm going to leave it at that. That's... That's interesting. We're going to keep moving here. Uh, number eight. What if you found a matchstick golf ball marker? What are you doing with that thing? This is a good one, too. And I think I think we're going to vary on this one. Mm-hmm. I'm keeping it. I'm pocketing that. And here's why. I think this is a very niche item. And I think you owe it to the journey of this ball marker to become its new rightful owner. Like you didn't find that ball marker, that ball marker found you and it's now your duty to honor that journey and use this marker and like find out where it came from and like 
the history of it because there is origins behind there's a story behind every ball marker and like this story has found you and even if you lose like joe if you lose a matchstick marker if i lose a matchstick marker like that's kind of part of it like i had this really cool let's say floppy disk marker if i ever lose that thing but like that will have been a part of my golf game for for years and then now it's like now it just becomes a legend and it, it it's somebody else's story well i was gonna differ from you but that was so eloquent and i in fact have lost my floppy disk marker that i treasured so much with trying to save par and bogey putts so that is someone else's now it is out into the ether that journey yes. continues just just yes. not with me exactly because that thing is gonna be a ball marker like yep it's going to be a ball marker for a hundred years. It's not going to get thrown away. It's not going to, it's going to be a ball marker and it's always going to have a story and it's just going out. Yeah. I, I, I love that, that you can never lose a matchstick marker. You can just, you know, hand its journey off to the next participant. Dane Delgado is going to text me. He's like, can I turn this into an advertisement, please? This is incredible. <laughs> Use turn 20 at checkout at matchstickgolf.com. All right. Almost done, Nick. Number nine. What do you do if you find a new-ish Titleist glove? Now, you can tell it's gently used, but there's no wear patterns. It doesn't smell terrible, at least from a safe distance. It is your size. Somehow, it goes on the right hand. You're like, oh, my God. <laughs> so, what am I going to do? Do this- you think there's any chance I'm, <laughs> I'm picking this up, sticking it in my back pocket, and using it for the last 17 holes? <laughs> Well, I thought maybe what would get you is the <laughs> it, it being on the right hand, the fact that it's a left-handed golf club. But even then, no chance. Despite the rising cost of daycare, I will I will still continue to purchase my own golf gloves. Yeah, I'm not touching a glove that I find out there. I'm not going to turn it in. I'm not. I'm. I'm. I'm leaving it alone. What am I supposed to do with it? What am I supposed exactly. to do with it if I if exactly. I if I pick it up at that point? All right, the last one. This is what inspired. This is what inspired this whole premise. Brian Romy found a Bluetooth speaker. He turned it into the clubhouse. They allegedly told him you can return in one month to pick it up. No one. I think, I think Brian Romy said, I think he dictated. If I come back in a month, totally. this thing's still here as mine. Those are 100% his term. He's like, look, I'm going to give this to you, but I've drawn up this agreement. And it says, if no one claims it in a month, I get to come back for it. Um, I think that's fair. There's no way I would keep a Bluetooth speaker. I would also turn it into the house. Also with no expectation of taking it for myself. If no one else gave it back, got it back. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how how hammered do you have to be to lose a speaker? Yeah. Pretty hammered, man. Like an audible reminder that like, dude, you lost your speaker because now you can't hear the music anymore. (laughs) Where do you think the music went? It's 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 in that bunker from two holes ago. Or there was like some sort of altercation where like the group ahead or behind got pissed sure. off and like confronted them and like just took the speaker and chucked it. Um, so I checked that thing for damage. Yeah, I'm not I'm not keeping it. I'll, I'll, no. I'll turn it in. I'll yeah. turn it in. Uh, those things are a little bit of an investment. And um, and also you can't really steal it because if somebody comes like riding back around and, and their phone auto pairs to the speaker, they're like, yeah, dude. You, you stole my speaker. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, what a great point. Yeah. Like if they're using it right away and then <laughs> it switches music all of a sudden, it's like, well, you stole my speaker. So I'm taking that now. Yeah. 
Yeah. Interesting. All right. That's it. That was the 10. Keep it or turn it in. I loved that. Thank you, Brian. We had to make fun of you a little bit. All right, Nick. It is now time for the Mad Golfer of the Week, brought to you by T-Box Coffee, a roast-to-order coffee brand in the heart of Southern California, packaged for the golfer who can shoot 68, 112, and every score in between. Let T-Box fuel your morning rounds. Use promo code TURN15 at checkout. They're starting to sell cold brew in the can. Very excited about that. Check them out. All right. This is from Marsilio DePaula. Okay? And this is from the site of the recent President's Cup, Quail Hollow. Did you watch the President's Cup at all, Nick? Nope. Yeah, Tom Kim was pretty cool in the U.S. one. Not a stroke. Yeah, Yeah. sure. It's fine. This is from Marsilio. Quote, the staffing company that was hired to staff the President's Cup was full of lies and deception. (laughs) They hired me as a bartender it had me working as a stock person with a bartender rate at $12 an hour and never got paid. Here's the best part. Thanks a lot, Dino. Be aware of this staffing agent. I had to do it. I know it has nothing to do with golf, but I thought <laughs> I saw that first line. The staffing company was full of lies and deception. So I just had to yeah. get that out in the world. It's incredible how many of these. Reviews have nothing to do with the golf course. For some reason, I'm starting to enjoy them. If I was Marsilio. Yeah. I mean, look, you have no recourse if you're Marsilio. You didn't get paid. You're getting your your fee switched on you, so you don't really know what you're going to be making. This is the only recourse. I like doing non-golf ones just because I find, I don't know, reviews are funny. People people get mad. (laughs) Even though Marsilio may have never touched a golf club, they are our Mad Golfer of the Week. Nick, I actually am continuing to do research and mm-hmm. trying to figure out what we can use as a theme song for Nick Rules, brought to you by Matchstick Golf. He's turned 20 at checkout. Theme song, unfortunately, is still pending. Um, there have been some times in my professional career where I've needed to create original music or audio and I've literally just gone on um, – I don't even remember the name of the app. But it's like the app that comes with your iPhone and your in your in your Mac. Um, where you make – it's just like a GarageBand. That's it. GarageBand. Just, sure. just go on GarageBand, lay a beat, and that's it. Just keep yeah. it simple. Yeah, we're really – you know, we're really – we're really trying out here. We're – we're really crunching all the numbers and taking in different resources. I can't just do any old thing. After this much buildup, it really needs to be a proper theme song. So I can't just go on GarageBand and like make a parody song of like before he cheats or something like that. <laughs> Although, holy shit, that now that I say that out loud. Perfect for oh Nick Actually, so this might be this this might be the solution. Okay, we have to get through this quick and the <laughs> podcast so I can make this theme song and jam it in this episode. Oh my god, I love it. Okay, um, all right, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna roll into it. Let's go. The premise of golf is to play the ball as it lies. Okay, right? Like that's this is like. Let me start here. The <laughs> premise of golf. Anybody who who knows nothing about golf, like the first thing you know is play the ball as it lies. Uh, if your ball at rest is moved, 
since you're just trying to play it as it lies, you're supposed to replace the ball where it was with or without penalty. That depends on the situation. Okay. We're not going to get into all of that, except when you're on the putting green special case, there is no penalty for accidentally moving your ball on the putting green by any player, by you, by your opponent, by a caddy, by anybody, no penalty. It moves, put it back where it was, play it. No penalty. Why do I bring this up? Yes. Recently at the French Open. Thomas Peters, I'm sure there are, are like some accents I'm missing, but I'm but I'm I'm gonna Americanize the name as, as much as I can. Thomas Peters had a 40-foot birdie putt at the French Open, hit it four feet. Apparently, at some point in his stroke, he heard a cough, which we can get into this that part later, and decided he was going to Abandon his stroke. Stop. I have no more intention of hitting this putt. I can't. Somebody coughed somewhere in the golf course. I, I must stop. But he failed to stop his stroke and, and still contacted the ball. Hitting it four feet, immediately stood up, said, that was an accident. I intended to not hit it. Therefore, I accidentally hit it. And he was allowed to replace his ball. Wow. Really? So I could theoretically blast one onto the road. Uh, guys, that was an accident. I didn't mean to hit the ball. And do it again? Did you watch this? Was the circumstantial evidence significant enough where it's like, all right, clearly he didn't mean to do that. Because we've all seen Zach Johnson take those dumb practice swings really close to the ball and hit it on the toe of the ball, and he gets to retee without penalty because it's right. so obvious he wasn't trying to hit it. This, this, is some, this is some fuzzy math here. You can't hear any cough, which which I don't know why, like, you can't stroke a putt if, if there's a cough. Because, I mean, like, there's all sorts of natural noises happening anytime you're playing golf anyways. Like, you, somebody in the gallery, like, however far away happened to cough, and you can't just, like, continue your putt. Anyways, that's neither here nor there. It was clear from the result of the putt that, that I mean, it literally, it's a 40-foot putt that goes four feet. It's, it's, it's absurd to watch. And he stands up and he's like, I tried to, I tried to bail. I tried to, to abandon this stroke. I failed to abandon it. And I still, I still hit it. It's just strange. It was a very strange situation. He did kind of make light of it on Twitter because the video is on Twitter. You can find it. Um, he did make light of it, but it, it's all weird. It's, it's, it doesn't really help golf's image as a whole that like, Compared to all these other professional sports, I can't possibly stroke a ball with a putter that's not moving and I'm not moving. And um, when somebody coughed from 30 yards away. But again, that's neither here nor there. It was an accident. The rules official said like, hey, were you trying to hit it? He said, no, I was trying to to stop. I said, okay, replace it and replay. It's so difficult not to think about Patrick Reed when stuff like this happens. Like what would have happened if he would have been the person who did the thing that Thomas Peters did golf Twitter would have melted down if it was that dude. But I think that's where reputation comes into play. If you're known for being shaky with the rules, then you're going to be called into question. Every time there's some sort of weird ruling, someone like Thomas Peters, maybe he has something in his past. I'm not aware of, but not to the level of a Pat Reed. Well, you have nothing to gain. Like if you if you make a full stroke and like just barely miss it low, you're not gonna be like, well that well that was an accident. <laughs> like I want to re re hit it. Sure. You know what I mean? Like yeah, you're 40 feet okay. away. You're just trying to, you know, 
Like he, he literally hit it four feet. Like that was, it was pretty clear. Like you'd have nothing to gain by like stopping your stroke and being unable to, and then hitting it four feet. You know what I mean? Yeah, of course. No, I, I feel fully convinced. Yeah. So that's, that's it. That is Nick Rules, brought to you by Matchstick Golf. Turn 20 at checkout. Theme song probably being worked on as you listen to this episode. Nick, you got a big October coming up, buddy. You said you're going to play golf four weeks in a row. That's my that's my goal, is play golf every week in October. I think I've, I think I've navigated the parental and the work-life balance to shift some golf into my schedule once a week for four weeks. I've played, literally played nine holes since July 2nd. So, um, Joe, any tips? Like, it's it's almost like after a long off season, I'm going back out for the first month of the year. Like, should I set the expectations low? Should I, should I set some goals? Should I just have like one thing to try to work on? Like what? I don't even know what to do. Yeah. First round out, you made it. No expectations. Be unencumbered by any score expectations. Then you get to the second week, let's try to hit some fairways. And then third and fourth, let's try to score. Let's make a number. Let's have some some momentum going into the offseason. So no expectations, working on a little something, hitting fairways and greens, and then we're playing for score. That's what I think the plan is. Yeah, I definitely want to hit November 1st with some momentum going into the offseason. I just don't know if I can throw away the first couple of weeks because what if the what if this whole plan doesn't work out? First of all, like there's a good chance the next time I play is it's going to be the last time. Also, what if the weather doesn't oblige? Like, what if I get two great weeks and I was just like slapping it around, now I'm ready to go, but but it's 30 degrees and, and rain and sideways. You know, I I I just feel like that's going to be the back of my mind. This week, I, I already booked my tea time. It felt so great to book it. I booked seven like the minute. Tea times opened. I was on there. I was on there booking it. And the, the weather's supposed to be 73. Beautiful. Um, I'm pretty excited. Is this one of those early morning Heidelberger rounds? No. I'm pulling a I'm pulling an afternoon, Whoa. afternoon round. Yeah. The shadows look different that time of day, bud. I know I, I know it's, it's been, been a while. You know, the greens are gonna be rolling a little quicker. You know, yeah. I won't have the dew out there. Um it, it's gonna be a lot different for sure. I might might have a, a bevy or two. I mean, I don't know. It's gonna be weird. Now we're talking. Well, I'm very excited for you. You've earned it. Probably. I'm only getting your side of the story, but I assume that you've earned this time with the kiddos, the work, all that good stuff. So I'm very happy for you. We're plunging ahead, folks. We're in October. I can't believe it. It was 88 degrees in Portland today. And uh, hey, I'll leave everyone with this, Nick. Before you make your tee times, call the golf course. Check to see if they punch their greens. One of my buddies got hoodwinked. He prepaid for a round coming up this weekend, and they just punched. They're punching on Tuesday. So he's stuck. I was asked to join. I called the course. They said we're punching on Tuesday. I said, I'll see you in the spring. That's literally what I said to this this guy. (laughs) I'm Lacey Evans. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time at The Turn. 